How's it going, everybody? This is an interview I did uh, last year with Mario Candelaria, who is an excellent writer. Uh, if you read his, uh, his like sort of Twilight Zone take on the pandemic, it's a, I believe it's for free still up on his site. Uh, go check it out. Uh, Tales from the pandemic. Uh, really good writer. Uh, I'm really looking forward to what he has coming out from Scout and. Uh, sucks that his Eagles uh, uh, really took uh, a, like a nosedive uh, this past season, but say uh, uh, All right, enjoy the uh, ad. Uh, here is Mario Candelaria on Double Barrel Theater. So, uh, are you happy that football's back? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, I mean, I'm a big hockey fan also, and I watch a lot of wrestling, so I see sports all the time. But uh, there's just something special about the Eagles and the NFL that, you know, uh, I don't really get from other sports. I think maybe it's because it's one day a week for the most part. It's easier mm-hmm. to keep track of. Well, it's 16 games a year, so yeah. it's like you could, your season could be done in – the first three weeks, it's like, oh, we're 0 2. It's like, yeah, like we allow ourselves six losses if we expect to go to playoffs. So when you're, if you start 0 2, you're like, Eesh. like we got the whole season to go and we, uh, we can't lose four games. Yeah. So, uh, now I see that you're a Philly fan. Now, uh, the day that they uh, pelted Santa Claus with snowballs, where were you? Uh, I'm not sure if I was alive, <laughs> obviously. Um, <laughs> And if I was, I was probably... Was that uh, an annual tradition? I don't think so. I don't hear about it anymore. You just hear about it the one time from the 80s, and that's really it. Uh, I mean, it's like it's like any epic story that people tell at a party over and over and over. It's always the one time, and it always gets bigger and better with each telling you hear it. I feel like uh, when... Well, how, how elated were you? And, like, uh, where were you for the Super Bowl win? Because... Um, I saw um, like true fans, like 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 years, and like I thought the Cubs winning the World Series would do it, but no, Philly winning the Super Bowl uh, was like everybody was just like, all right, party on! We're like no one's stopping us. Like if we're burning a couch in the middle of the street, we're burning a couch in the middle of the street. And yeah. The, uh, the, be- the best was like the the police announced that hey ahead of the in case we win the super bowl we are greasing all the the light poles and yeah. uh, telephone poles just in case someone decides to climb on it and do crowd surfing from there cuz we know how you guys are but the uh like you do know that like Philly is the only stadium that has a jail inside the arena right like yeah yeah jail. That's because they didn't want to gum up the legal system. I have people show up at court, so they just had a judge downstairs to take care of any fines and sentencing on the spot. All right, man. So uh, one thing that I want to talk to you today about is I watched the your short video on YouTube, oh, which was okay, awesome, by the way. What was that called again? The Chart. All right, and that's available on YouTube. Uh, the... You also did an anthology called, um, uh, like, Life in the Pandemic? All right, correct me on this one. I know Pandemic was in the title. Close. Tales from the Pandemic. 
Tales from the Pandemic. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I know from past conversations that you're a stand-up comedian or, or experiences as a stand-up comedian. I got to say, uh, because each story was, what, one, two pages, maybe three, yeah, three. Yeah, three and a couple pages. of them, the, the setup, punch, and hard-hitting nature of each of those was yeah. excellent um, because uh, horror and comedy are like twin – like. They're, they're twins, basically. One's one way, one's the other way. But they both follow similar rules in that, like, um, you're setting up the rules, uh, like, um, if you don't mind me talking about a couple of the stories, no, uh, there was one where it's like a little girl, and she's told, always wear your mask. Always wear your mask. And I'm not going to spoil what happens, but uh, the uh, horror tropes and, like, the just, like, the, the setup and punchline of, like, well, of course, she's going to meet a boy that's not wearing a mask, and of course, like, and what happens after is pretty horrific. Like, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like gory or like the horror that you pulled off in that one. I really appreciate because it was thinking, it was timely. Like, I got huge uh, from the introduction and uh, to the outro. I got a huge uh, Twilight Zone vibe off of it, and yes. a lot of people try to be Twilight Zone. And, but they fall short. Yours actually was legitimate, like Rod Sterling level Twilight Zone. I gotta say, congratulations on that. That was a huge oh. accomplishment. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, this is this was a book that we put together spur of the moment. It was you know when when the pandemic hit uh, when we were still in it now, but a lot of things were shutting down. A lot of publishers were shutting down. I had a lot of friends who were out of work so i just wanted to try to put something together both to you know lift their spirits and give them you know a couple extra bucks here and there i mean three pages isn't a lot Mm -hmm. for them but it's a good distraction i felt and um just you know hearing people like yourself giving us praise for something that we did like that i mean that's that's a reward in and of itself i feel but yeah uh this is just something that i really just did with my friends for my friends um and we put it out there for free on gumroad um i mean it's pay what you want but a lot of people are taking us up on the free offer just because we want to provide a little distraction for them where we can yeah when you say uh gumroad like what gumroad is that just so that uh, people know where to find it at yeah so uh gumroad.com it's a if if kickstarter is like crowdfunding gumroad is like your SoundCloud for various things. Uh, lots of comic creators use it and they put up files, uh, musicians, photographers, models, all sorts of people. It's kind of like Patreon, but instead of a monthly reoccurring fee, you can choose to have one item for a static price. As mm-hmm. you it, it's, it's like, uh, I was looking into Gumroad a while back. Like uh, I didn't have enough stuff that I would have liked to have been able to like justify spending I think it's like a dollar a month or ten dollars a month for having a storefront. No, absolutely. Oh, there's yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'll look into that then. All right. So the all right. I don't want to like go too much on to like into the pandemic or tales from the pandemic, but um, how would you say like uh, your comedy background influenced putting that together? Because were like were you just like looking around like seeing like what people do on because there there's a lot of everyday life in mm-hmm. there, 
especially like anyone who went through uh, the pandemic or what we're going through right now is going to recognize, oh, I watched Netflix. Oh, like there's this mask thing. Oh, someone just sneezed. Yeah. Like, uh, like did you, like what, what were the tools that you brought to uh, writing that like from your comedy background? Because I feel like if people want to understand horror better, like they should study comedy just for uh, the purpose of like the, the tools are there. Yeah, uh, a lot of comedy is just observation. That's my forte is uh, self-deprecating observational comedy where you try to find a nugget of what people know and that's universal and skew it in a way that, you know, um, makes it seem absurd. And that's a lot of what horror is, like you said, also. Um, we were just looking at what's happening in the news, what's happening in our personal lives, what we saw friends going through on social media, like people taking plane rides. <laughs> what's up with that? Uh, mm -hmm. So we did a story around that. Um, I have many times sat here on my couch with uh, Netflix or Prime or anything on, and it's always the dreaded, are you still watching? It's like, yes, I'm still watching. Keep this, keep this train going. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, a lot of my comedy is uh, derived from life. And a lot of this is also, you know, just real life events that we're skewing in a way. This is more of a Twilight Zone vibe, like you said, but we're still trying to find the familiarity people can relate to it uh well hold on for one second uh, yeah, you can change yeah. it just keep the volume down low i don't want to be able to, I'm, i don't want to be able to hear it on this all right sorry about that uh, Sign so, a water break <clears throat> yeah don't worry about it the take as much as you can like eventually if i get to do these things in person I like uh, I want to do the Andrew Santino model, which is like okay. uh, like have a glass of whiskey or like I, I tried doing this in bars and yeah. they are not conducive to like recording at all. But like there's a certain energy it brings that I am a fan of, like because it's just like raw chaos. Yeah. But so now uh, you have a book coming out with Scout Comics called uh, Kill Cello, I believe. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Now, Kill Cello. Uh, I know it's in the early stages. Like, can we talk about it? Or, yes, like, what absolutely. Can we, talk about? we can talk about uh, anything you want to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to give you full blow-by-blow -blow spoilers, but we can get into it. Okay, so uh, walk me through, like, the um, like, everything starts with an idea, and then yeah. but you don't hear about people talking about is like the like uh, all right i have an idea how do i bring it to a publisher and then hopefully the publisher t uh, like uh, say oh that's a great idea let's do that so mm -hmm. uh, work me through that process yeah so i guess i'm gonna have to bring you all the way back to october 2016 where i spent some time in the desert of california um palm springs the palm desert is kind of where the coachella festival is uh every year and just being in that terrain, I'm from New York. I mean, you know what it's like. This is mm -hmm. tall buildings and gray skies. But when you get out there into some place I've never been to, like the desert, it's a completely different world. I mean, it's 190 degrees on the floor. And then just a mile or so away is one of the tallest mountain ranges on the West Coast. And you can see snow on top of the mountain. That's just, that's unreal from where I come from. So spending that time out there, I was thinking more and 
you know, just the area, uh, the type of people that live there and such. And you got to think um, like the hills have eyes and stories like that that take place in the desert trying to find a horror story. Um, this one in particular came to me while I was reading uh, a news article about a woman who spent five figures, uh, several thousand dollars trying to get herself Coachella ready. I mean, that's uh, her wardrobe, her dieting and exercising, her cosmetic surgeries and such. And I was like, who? Can I, can I curse on here? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll say, say again? No, I'll say, can I curse on here? Oh, go ahead. All right. Well, this because this deserves it. It's like, oh, oh, who the fuck does that? You know, who spends like a year's salary just to get ready for one event? Because the quote was... It's not enough looking good in your own photos. You want to look good in the, in the background of a stranger's photo that you didn't even know is being taken. So well, I was like, okay. I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. Because every year, whenever um, uh, New York Comic Con or some big convention comes around and they have their own press release photos or someone tags somebody on Instagram, like I always have, like not an outfit, but I used to have a uh, briefcase that was a um, a metal cash box that I painted with my logo, which, uh, um, uh, like, before I had the Double Barrel Theater logo, I had the, um, I had the, uh, like, the editor logo, which was a, um, uh, like, two eyes that will always follow you wherever you're looking. So from what any angle, it, it's like one of those art tricks where if you put two circles next to each other, and they uh, they'll just follow your eyes naturally. It makes you something about it makes you think you're following it. Like old paintings have a trick of doing it too. So whenever someone put out photos, like the the narcissist in me was like, "Ooh, did I make it? Like, <laughs> did I get into someone else's photo? Like, I don't even yeah. care. I can't even find myself. If I could find my briefcase, though, yeah." which it's very rare, but uh, I think I did it once. And it was the greatest feeling of all time because that meant it worked. Yeah. So, but uh, continue. You were talking about... uh, uh, No, I mean, I've been there too. I, uh, especially 2018, I went to a lot of WWE pay-per-views, all the big pay-per-views, and I sat ringside. And I would look through the photos. I would have friends watching the network to see if they spot me. People would be tagging me in pictures. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I, mm-hmm. you know, um, get that, but yeah, I was just, you know, going back to the, the origin of the story. It was just, you know, what type of person is this? And I got to think more on the event. And from there we built the story around, I mean, I can't legally use Coachella. So it's a concert that takes place in the Coachella Valley desert. So, um, but yeah, from there we just built the story. I hired a uh, Serge Acuna and his wife, Catherine Lobo. They're the art team on this. Um, we had a feeling that we were on to something special from the very beginning, uh, just because of both the the nature of the story and the pacing that I put it through. I, I sent you the first few pages, and you saw that's just, you know, your classic setup for a oh, horror dude, movie. Dude, they killed it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you can see. Like in terms just... of, because the, uh, uh, there's so many tools that you need to have for certain stories, and... With horror, uh, you have to have the ability to um, set the tone. So, like, um, uh, they get a lot of like. There's a lot of things that like. I'm not gonna say hack, but like, there's a lot of things that are tired. 
And so, like, when people draw things too dark, uh, when they draw things too dark, everything is like, well, like, there's something out there, but we don't know where it is. And so they just make it dark. So, like, you as the reader don't know where it is. However, me personally, I feel like when you know that, all right, that's a problem. Right there, that's a problem. And uh, the people, the, the, the characters playing it out, they don't know it's a problem. <coughs> yeah. So I had a coffee and a power bar before this, and all of a sudden it's trying to kill me. Oh, no. So We can just edit this part uh, out. <laughs> so the, uh, the two characters, like, there's this shadowy figure, uh, middle of the day, and it's your, it, it's the, the the prologue, shall we say? It's not the main characters, but there's a character in there that's probably going to come back. It's like the opening to every horror movie. Yeah, or not every horror movie, but um, like the vibe. But you ever you ever see the movie uh, Urban Myth, Urban Legends? Yes, it's a slasher a long time ago, late nineties, early two thousands. It's one of those like great uh, horror movies that just always goes under the radar because I know what you did last summer in Scream also came out before it, but the uh, it's just such a great premise because like the, the kills are have a theme to them and the uh, well anyway what yours does which if it's about uh, like uh, millennials and influencers and like a horror. Uh, setting with those just like kill killing two people that are or spoilers sorry folks are they like, trying to kill two people that are going for the the instagram shot is just like it hit the, hit the tone just perfectly like uh, i'm really looking forward to that when it comes out on the shelves thank you so it's coming out from scout comics right so yeah 2021 they, uh, 2021 all right so uh Walk, walk the audience through the process because I've talked to editors and I've mm-hmm. had conversations, but I've never actually gotten to the point where I'm actually pitching them stuff. Like okay. I've showed them stuff and not had it happen. Now you, on the other hand, are actually a success story of talking to editors. So uh, work is, for someone who doesn't know what that is, walk us through that. So there's two different roads to get books published. The first one is the one I took in which you have an idea and you have sample pages, pilot pages, if you will, to show them a proof of concept of what the story could look like. And then from there, you have to have, you know, your synopsis showing them where the story goes. That's what 99% of my interactions with editors are, um, where you have to approach them with an idea. You have to have all your stuff assembled and put together. It's like you're going to give them a package pretty much like a door-to-door salesman with the vacuum cleaner you have to have the vacuum cleaner you can't just have the idea of a vacuum cleaner so that's kind of what this is um right now at at this level that i'm at um but there are other people who can just talk with editors and sell them on an idea without that stuff but you have to of course build up your reputation high enough in the first place to get there okay so, like, uh, how do you see, like, your series, uh, is it a miniseries, or is it, like, a graphic novel that's going to be happening? No, this is a, this is a four-issue miniseries. I mean, that's graphic novel length, anyway. But So, yeah, it's a one-and-done mm-hmm. story for me. 
Okay, so it's because uh, like when when people do horror stories, like mm-hmm. part of it, like just like it's like well, like the sequels to horror movies, like the like a sequel to a horror movie is uh, tough in that like you have to it's like uh, redoing a comedy like to go back to that. Like comedy sequels yeah. are a little bit easier in just that. Like you can remix the jokes and just have like similar beats, but you can also like uh, I'm trying to think of what's the greatest sequel to any comedy of all time, but uh, I'm not really thinking of it. But horror movies, on the other hand, um, you can the killer gets away, so the killer is still out there. Uh, excuse me for one second. Yeah. Um, uh, right there. Uh, sorry about that. Okay. Uh, someone was asking me for a scissor or whatever. So, uh, the that, that's why I was asking you. Like, like, do you see this as like a like a possible like things things going on afterwards? Like, uh, uh like, like. Like like when you're making this, do you think you like give yourself the the like the little bit of leeway to just be like, well, technically, uh, if this goes viral, uh, like the, I don't know how the story goes, so I'm just like uh, conjecture right here. Like, yeah. Well, if one person does this and it goes viral, and then like there's another kill Chella next year, kill Chella two, or or Firefest, or like there's still there, like do you give yourself that room? No, uh, I'm just want to tell the uh, the one and done story right now, just because I don't want to get my hopes up for a uh, let's say a sequel or such, and then the first book doesn't even get picked up. <laughs> but I mean, that's the whole point of being creative. If you're a creative person, mm-hmm. you should be able to find a way around adding on more to it, even if you didn't intend on doing that in the first place. I mean, like you said, you hit it on the head uh, with that specifically. Uh, I guess plot point that there is, you know, a lot of millennial culture in there, uh, Gen Z or sorry, Gen uh, Y culture in there. So, you know, um, it's just trying to figure out well, how to put those two dots together. Well, for the longest time, I thought I was like late Gen X. And then I realized, yeah. oh, I'm really millennial. Then, yeah. uh, but everyone goes by like what years that people were born. I think that's a useless. Uh, uh, measuring stick now because um, I think your generation should be how you uh, intook uh, uh, culture. Uh, like there was generation radio, generation TV. Then once the internet hit, uh, like it, you have to go by app. What app did you use? Were you generation Facebook or were you generation Instagram or you generation TikTok? Because yeah, uh, <laughs> you're. It, it used to be everybody had a shared um, like um, I have a theory about this where uh, like it, it starts off wide so you have all these towns that like don't interact with each other and then they just get bottlenecked by radio TV newspapers and then internet and then bang like whatever site that you're on because like there's the MySpace uh, crew there was like Vine there was Musically uh, which is now TikTok there's there's so many. Uh, like you can go, like kids can go into a school now, and not know what a single person else is watching because, like, uh, I I watched uh, TNT in the mornings and I watched Cartoon Network in the afternoons. So that meant I was watching Saved by the Bell in the mornings and maybe a handful of people. Uh, like 
a good amount of people knew what Saved by the Bell was when I was going to school, but nobody knew what the cartoons were. Like nobody knew what uh, oh, yeah. Dragon Ball Z was. Uh, Do you ever notice that? Because the uh, uh, like, if I talk to like thirteen-year-old kids now, I might as well be talking to aliens. Yeah, I mean, it's the uh, the ever-expanding number of options that we have are going out there. So before, when you had you know terrestrial radio and people listened to their serials of Superman and Green Hornet and such, it was generally a smaller audience. Uh, not necessarily a smaller audience, be a larger audience overall, but smaller options. And then, of course, you had over-the-air TV with five channels. I think uh, Carson, when he was on his prime, was on three of the five channels at the same time. So, you know, that's not a whole lot of options for people who don't like Carson to click through or turn the dial or whatever it is that they did. Uh, you know, I, I'm an older millennial, so I came around just when the Internet was really starting to hit. Uh, but still, you know, we had cable packages and such. I think there was basic cable at like 30-something channels. So a lot of my friends and I still watch the same things. You know, you had your USA, your MTV, uh, local channels. <laughs> I'm drawing blanks right now. Cartoon Network, of course, you know, when Tsunami hit, you had Dragon Ball Z, what, at 5, 5.30 and midnight again? Is that what it was? Well, th- th- there was that, but um, I grew up in a time period where on Channel 11, there would be at, because I had to be up at school for the bus at like 7.30, so I'm no, like that's, 6.30. That's WPIX 11, right? The WB? Mm-hmm. All right. WPIX 11, and the... Uh, at five o'clock in the morning, they had two anime shows. Now, I didn't know were anime. I thought they were just cartoons. Yeah. Uh, the first one ever was uh, Ronin Warriors. That came on at five a.m. Then at five thirty, it was Dragon Ball Z. Hmm. So uh, I would set up my VCR timer to record every day, five days a week, yeah. and I would watch them in the afternoons. Uh, then. When uh, Roman Warriors went off the air, it got replaced by Sailor Moon. So, uh, so I'm just watching these cartoons for years or whatever. Uh, then they, like, I stopped getting up at like six o'clock in the morning to watch these things. Uh, uh, so, Cartoon Network comes along, and it's like anime is an actual word now because Toonami has Sailor Moon and DBZ. They didn't have Roman Warriors, so the. Uh, uh, so, like, I was, like, not ahead of the curve, but just, like, oh, like, uh, me watching cartoons and not knowing the difference between what, what was made, because technically a lot of it was made overseas, mm-hmm. uh, but that was just, like, an experience of just, like, oh, uh, no wonder why I, like, uh, like, I was the only one that actually got up early enough in the morning to, uh, like, uh, watch these things. So, that's why I say I've been, like, for 30 years, for 25 years, just, like, I've been a fan of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, did you have something like that, like, where it was just, uh, uh, you found it early on, and then, because, like, you have to, I feel like you have to get comics uh, and, like, superhero crowds early enough. Like, if, you, if you're introduced to it later on. Yeah, so for comic books uh i definitely got into like i was still a teenager when the walking dead and invincible came out at the same time for a while they had the same numbering because they came out from robert kirkman at the same time um 
I got in on Invincible and The Walking Dead on the ground floor. Uh, but for pop culture, um, I was more comedians. Like, I remember Kevin Hart before he blew up. A lot of the bigger comedians now I would watch. Because Comedy Central always had those uh, those shows where it's a half hour, but they would feature four or five comics who were just starting out. And mm-hmm. I would watch those all day long. And then, of course, those names became familiar. And then uh, watching them start to do their full half-hour specials. And then from there, blowing up to movies and tv you know like feature cameo roles and then they get their own hour specials and netflix specials and then they get their own you know tvs and shows and sitcoms and such so i was always getting in on comedians earlier than anything else now uh as a fan of comedians i gotta wonder were you a bigger uh, if you had the option to i don't know if you had the uh would you listen to howard Stern in the morning, or would you listen to Opie and Anthony in the morning? Uh, because Stern, because that, was, like, that was like just the bigger one when I was growing up. Um, at least okay. where I was. He had okay, the movie Private. I, I feel like. Go ahead. That's so he had that movie Private Parts. I mean, you know, that's like that's like uh, Opie and Anthony. That's still one of the funniest movies of all time. Yeah. That wasn't as big. That was more like getting uh, Mr. Pibb versus Dr. Pepper. You know? um, yeah. <laughs> You're lucky I get that reference. So, because Opie and Anthony, uh, I would listen to them, and that's where I got introduced to Rich Ross, uh, mm-hmm. Patrice, Colin Quinn. Um, uh, like, there was just so, like, I... Like, uh, I have a job where I had the ability to listen to things a lot because I had a lot of, like, not free time, but, um, like, no, they didn't care what I was listening to. So I would yeah. take these old recordings of, like, that, that are online of Opie and Anthony, and I would just replay those, like, greatest hits. Uh, I, I remember Bill Burr when he was Little Billy Burr on Opie and Anthony, and yeah. I remember, um, like late at night on Comedy Central, like watching his uh, half hour where it's like him owning a pit dog in the hood. And like, he's just oh, this like uh, short white guy with red hair with a pit yeah. bull. And it's just like, man, I, I'm enjoying this respect that I'm getting from everybody. <laughs> or uh, like going up, like I, he did a bit where it's like seeing me in the hood is like seeing a leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> like just, uh, <laughs> Now, did you uh, did you have HBO growing up? Because uh, uh, if you had HBO and if you watched it enough, like if you were into the comedy specials, I feel like you got like uh, some of the best uh, like uh, specials, like when specials really. Yeah, I had HBO for a little bit. Um, towards like my end of uh, middle school and high school, we didn't have cable or TV at all, really. But I had friends who would record stuff for me. Like they would record Raws and Nitros and South Park and cable specials and such. So I would still keep up with, uh, you know, things that way. But I, would, I, right. I, I got to watch a little of everything. All right. So, uh, what do you got coming up, man? Uh, like you got Killchella. Uh, anything else that you're working on? Yeah, so I have uh, Killchella's coming out from Scout Comics in 2021. Uh, be on the lookout for that. I have a uh, another series that I'm pitching. I'm hoping to hear back from it soon. But this is a uh, space action adventure story. It's more like uh, it's less Star Wars, more Die Hard. 
but you know, I'm trying to branch out and tell different stories like that. And this one's looking really good. And I have a Kickstarter coming in October for a comedic heist story. It's kind of like uh, Scorsese meets uh, Guy Ritchie films. And it takes place. Right, dude, if you ever want to come back, uh, if, if you ever want to promote more stuff, just uh, let me know. I'll happy Absolutely. to have you back. So, yeah. I right, uh, just want to end this on a little game. Um, the, the for uh, transparency, this is the third time we've tried to do this. We did. We successfully talked uh, the first time, and uh, due to technical error, nothing got uh, recorded clearly. So we talked for an hour and. Uh, we got an hour of oh no. So second time, uh, my computer decided to uh, do every single update possible when I turned it on. So that that didn't work. Uh, third time's the charm. We're recording. We both hear each other, so it's been great. Um, uh, if you had to. <laughs> So, if you had the opportunity to ask one question uh, in any comics universe, it could be uh, like uh, our universe of the, the industry or a fandom, what would your one question be? Mine, personally, would be, um, uh, why did uh, Lex Luthor... Uh, <laughs> that's dead talks. That's all right. Okay. Uh, like I did Lex Luthor uh, decide to build the giant robot uh, the, like the first time that he could. Like, it's like, really? Giant robot? Like, that's what you're going with or whatever? Uh, what would yours be? Uh, how come Alan Scott's ring never worked on wood? What was your question? How come Alan Scott's Green Lantern ring did not work on wood? All right. That's a good question. All right, man. Uh, thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, happy to have you back. Uh, good luck to you, all right? All right. Go, go Birds. <laughs> go. Uh, my team's playing tomorrow, so peace. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Double Barrel Theater. Please check out our comics. Check out our Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Like, check out the, uh, the author, Matthew Kale, on Twitter, M.W. Kale, and on Instagram, M.W. Kale. Peace.